0: Living in Laodicea. There's a picture of one of the temples there uh, in Laodicea. Let's talk about this as we get into this. This is the last of uh, seven letters. If you look in your Bible, they're all red letters because John is saying, I got this directly from the mouth of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. And he writes these seven letters to seven churches. And people say, well, all seven apply to the church today. And I say, amen. They also say these seven letters kind of apply to seven ages of the church over the last 2,000 years. That would mean that Laodicea, the last of the seven, is the letter to the last generation. And that's probably you. Okay? Okay? So this this would be Jesus' last word before He raptures us. How many are glad you're here to listen to this letter? Because you want to get these traveling instructions before you go. Amen. Let's uh, let's let's read the uh, let's read the scripture. Um, let's go to Revelation. I think it's chapter three, right? And let's let's get into this verse nineteen. Verse, uh, I'm sorry, 14. Write the following to the messenger, the angel, or whoever. How many, how many, know, how many know churches have angels that are assigned to this church? Ooh, glory to God. We're going to meet them. I know they're working overtime, amen. <laughs> write, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Laodicea, for these are the words of the amen. I like that name for God. That's, that's his name, amen, capital A. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent in passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. Interesting. He doesn't say, I just wish you were hot. He said, I wish you were hot or cold. Strange. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. For you claim, oh, if this isn't the church today, I'm rich and getting richer, I don't need a thing. Mm -hmm. Yet you are clueless that you're actually miserable, (laughs) poor, blind, barren, and naked. Pretty much cover all the bases. So I counsel you to purchase gold, perfected, cleansed, purified by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. I like that. I like that. You, you can't be who God wants you to be until you take the mask off of who you're pretending to be. Drop the mic, go home. So repent and be eager to pursue What is right? Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice, and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you, and you will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on my throne. That's not just future, that's right now. Just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Right. The one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to the churches. He that hath ears to hear, let them hear. Letter to the Laodiceans. They were neither hot nor cold. This is not a apostate church. This is not a church that, that doesn't know God. This the, the, At one time they were on fire. He said, but you're not hot and you're not cold. That is the perfect definition of where the church in America especially is right now. It is lukewarm. It's interesting that the city of Laodicea did not have its own water source. It had to draw from a hot springs north of the city. In fact, you, Her- Heropolis, you can go there now and get in these hot springs. It's full of minerals. It's supposed to be good for you, you know, and because they didn't have hot, a lot of hot baths back then, so everyone loved that place. And so they, would, they had a system where they would draw that hot water down to Laodicea. On the south side of the city, there's a rather large mountain peak with snow on the top of it, and they would draw snow melt off of the glaciers off that mountain. So from one side, they would get steaming hot water, and on the other side of the city, they were getting freezing cold water. And John comes along, Jesus comes along and says, you're one or the other. Or, or, you know, be one or the other. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm, and you're making me sick. Now that sounds—that sounds like Jesus. Come on, mind your, mind your manners. No, 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 no. You see, here, here's the thing. I remember this years ago. Man, this is like almost forty years ago. I remember somebody had overdosed, and I rushed to the hospital. They didn't know if they were going to make it. And when I got there, they said he's okay. I said, we, we made him drink a lot of warm water, and he threw it up. Just warm water. Just warm water makes the body sick. What's making the church of Jesus Christ, why we're not seeing miracles, why we're not seeing the move of God like we should be seeing in it, is because the body is sick It'd be better if we all just backslid, than come to church and fake it, and be lukewarm, just getting by. And, and here's another thing: because of that uh, that water from you know from that from that um, from those from, from those ponds and the water off the rocks, the water in Laodicea had a lot of minerals in it. And here's the thing. When you have lukewarm water with minerals in it, that's the best situation for microbes to develop. It's hard for, almost impossible for microbes to develop in boiling water. They can't develop in frozen water. But you give it lukewarm water, and those little microbes are just sitting in there... I told you it was going to be a weird message. You didn't believe me. They're they're just growing and thriving. In In fact, they had a situation in Laodicea where a lot of people were constantly getting sick in their stomach from these microbes from drinking lukewarm water. Come on. Listen, it's not just... Listen, if you're lukewarm, you're not neutral. You're making the body sick. I've said this before. I would rather preach to a room full of sinners than a room full of lukewarm Christians. Because sinners will respond. Sinners know that they're wrong. They know they're not living right. But something, or they can be convinced. But lukewarm Christians think, I'm just fine in my little sludge pool of lukewarm water. It's comfortable. It's bathwater. But would you drink bath water? Anybody hearing what I'm saying? This is what, I, as a fa- oh, I could spend more time, but i got to get going here. You know, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on vomit. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I'm rich and I'm getting richer. I don't need a thing. People aren't coming to church, but now they're starting to come to church because they're needy again. All of a sudden, they're lonely again. All of a sudden, they're suicidal again. All of a sudden, they're on drugs again. All of a sudden, they're they're, they're having family issues and marital issues. And people are coming back to church, at least living churches, trying to, God, I need to find him. I knew him once. I need to find him again. Jesus said, you're clueless. You don't realize that you're actually miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. Wow. And he tells them, I need you to buy three things from me. Can we set up the Holy Ghost neighborhood store right now? Three things. Number one, I want you to buy my gold. I want you to buy my gold. It's, inter- interesting. it's so interesting, Laodicea. See, when they write these letters, they know Jesus knows his audience, and he relates to his audience because Laodicea was a banking center, one of the banking centers, and not banks like we know it today, but a banking center trading monies uh, uh, for, the, for the Roman Empire. They were very proud. It was a very rich city. In fact, an earthquake hit uh, western, um, western Turkey, and it wiped out a lot of these seven uh, the cities, and the Roman Empire came in with money to rebuild uh, Pergamum and Sardis and, and, they, and Ephesus, and to helped rebuild the city. And they asked Laodicea how much money they needed, and Laodicea, can you imagine this? Laodicea, the politicians there said, we don't need your money. We've got enough. We'll rebuild it ourselves. Boy, who acts like that anymore? We'd be like, give me everything you got. I don't even if I don't need it. What was it? It was pride and arrogance. We're rich. We don't need the empire to help us. We'll, we'll help ourselves. Oh God, what an attitude. What is this gold? He said, I thought salvation's free. Salvation is free. The anointing will cost you. Let me say that again. Salvation's free. It's already paid for. But Paul says, I die daily. I get up on the cross every day and die with Jesus. Because you can get salvation, but if you want to get close to him, there's some things you need to get rid of. He said, I don't have any money. You don't need any money. Just give Jesus all that, all that sin, all that disappointment, all that junk. That he'll, he'll take that. It's the great exchange. He'll take all your junk and give you glory in return. How do you buy the glory? You give him yours. Give him your glory. We so, said, well, my glory. Yeah. Remember, it says that long hair is a woman's glory. Remember that? Now, I'm not saying you got to cut your hair. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we all have glory. What's glory? That which is heavy, that which is important to us. Let's give God mm, the nearest and dearest. And in exchange, he gives you gold. Gold is his glory, and gold is his anointing, and he'll give you that. Wow. But it'll cost you something. They say, I know what I'm talking about. There's a price, and I don't mean to scare you off. You know, you can get to heaven. It's free. Your ticket's stamped. Just confess your sins and just kind of, you know. Make sure your sins stay under the blood of Jesus. You're going to heaven because you're forgiven. But your rewards here and there depend on your works. We don't work for salvation, but we work because of salvation. And we receive rewards because of our works. Now that's just the way it Works. Come on. You can't earn your way to heaven, but there are rewards when you get to heaven. And God, some people say, I don't understand why God's so mean to me and he doesn't answer all my prayers. Maybe because you live like a devil all the time. If there's sin in your life, why 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 would God answer you? And doesn't it make sense the closer we can get to him? I, I don't know the mayor of Mansfield, but if I really knew her, him, to <laughs> him, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. But, if, you know, if, if I had this really great relationship with him, I, maybe he would give more, right? Well, he won't give us anything. We're not in the city. But anyway, you, you know what I mean? Relationships count. It is about who you know. <laughs> but it's not about the president. It's not about your senator. It's not about your representative. It's about who you know in heaven. How close are you to the one you're talking to? Buy gold. Buy gold. Buy gold. I like what Peter said when, when the, the, the man, the layman at the gate. Give me silver. Give me your gold. Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> we don't need a lot of money necessarily. He owns the cattle on a, on a thousand hills. The thing is, some of you think you own those hills. All right, anyway. Oh, got quiet there. <laughs> what I'm saying is... That man didn't need gold from this world. He needed the gold that Peter had. How many know that's what we need? That's what we need. 1 Peter 1, 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than Gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I tell you, I don't care what you're going through. It's going to turn to gold. I don't care how hard the battle is you're facing right now. He's going to turn it to gold. Amen. Just give it to him, and he'll give you gold. Give it to him. He'll give you the answer. Give it to him, and he'll return the glory into your life. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Whew. Ah, I feel like I just shifted into fifth gear. Amen. Number two, buy white robes. I want you to buy white robes, he says. I like Isaiah 61, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, didn't we sing this this morning, for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Garments of praise. Garments of praise. I'll get back to it. Exodus 28, 2. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. That's the priest's. He said, I want you to make beautiful, glorious garments for the priests, for Aaron and his four sons. That's, the, by the way, that's the fivefold ministry. He said, I, I, want, you to, I want you to make garments for them, I want you to cover them. And then he anointed them. But he didn't, he said, never let the oil. Never anoint the flesh. You always anoint the clothing. Garments of praise. Can I peel into that just a little bit deeper? Garments of praise. He said, if you put garments, remember Psalms 133, he poured the oil on that hat that he has. And it flows from the hat. This is the head, but it's the hat. And it flows onto the garment and flows all the way down to the hem of the garment. That's a picture of the church. That's why you need to treat your pastor well. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, laughing, I'm not sure where that's going. And amen, I'll take. Amen. He anoints the head, and if that's done right, the whole body gets anointed. But watch this. It's even more. Garments of praise. And we always think, think about, you know, if we praise him, he puts garments. You know, I understand that. But watch. What, what if we do this? Come here, Charlie. What, what, if, what, thank you. what if I put garments of praise on Charlie? What if I said, Charlie? You're a good guitar picker. You. You're a good bass player. We love what you do. You're awesome up there. Right? Yeah. Daddy sing bass. I, I do, what do what you can. Anyway, he's humble, too. What did I just do? Uh, didn't, and didn't I just cover him? And what happens if I say, Charlie, I really don't like the way you pick your guitar? I could do a better job than that. What did I just do there? I uncovered him. When I criticized Charlie, I opened him up to attacks. I didn't say they'd be successful. I said I opened him up to attacks. So when you criticize someone, you uncover them. But when you compliment and recognize their God-given gift, you cover them. But it's more important than that, remember what I said. God doesn't anoint the flesh, he anoints the garment. So the more, the more people you cover, the greater the anointing in the house of the Lord. Somebody praise him. You need to start carrying around robes, garments of praise and start, start being good to me. I'm not talking about false flattery. I'm, not, I'm just talking about recognizing God in each other, recognizing where, they're, where God's taken people. They may be nothing now, but you can see where they're going and you can prophesy that into their lives. It's time we learn how to cover each other with garments of praise and give God a place to leave his anointing. Some churches have great services on Sunday, and everyone's half backslid by Monday. It's because there's no place for the anointing to stay. It fell, and it fell on flesh. And when it falls on flesh, it's gone. Y'all know when you put perfume or cologne on, you put it on your clothes, or it gets on your clothes. Two or three weeks later, you're like, hmm, I smell good. Put it on your skin and it's gone in an hour. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Exodus 28 and 3. I know I'm all over the map. Just find me. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. I love this. That they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as a priest. We need to start. Anybody with any wisdom here? If you've got wisdom, you'll hear what I'm saying. It's time you become a garment maker. Cover your pastor. Cover the leaders. Cover the L Doesn't matter if you disagree. Cover them anyway. I'm not talking about open sin. If it's open sin, we'll deal with it. I'm talking about, listen, we're not perfect. None of us make perfect decisions. Amen. I'm as close as that can possibly be. I only said that because Gloria is not in here. But God, listen to me, listen to me. God's looking for wise people who will be garment makers. Some of you need to say, God, make me a garment maker. Make me a garment maker and help me to start covering people instead of uncovering them with my tongue. By the way, it's not just what you say to their face. It's about what you say behind their back. I don't know if you, listen, I'll let you in on a clue. The devil hears you either way. And when you uncover someone in secret, he attacks in public. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. He says this in Revelation. How many know he's coming like a thief? Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his nature. Wow. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, I'm almost done, which doesn't mean anything. Number three. Number three. Third thing to buy. You ready? Got your money ready? Buy ISAV. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Laodicea was one of the leading cities for textiles. Garments. They were the leading city in the empire for making garments and textiles and what you know all the stuff. That, okay, isn't that cool? And and they also led the empire in. I say, oh, y'all could have got that. <laughs> let me let me let me let me find a landing strip with this. Mark eight verse twenty two. Jesus came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and begged him to touch him, just touch him, Jesus. So he did something different. He said, He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. That'd be like someone coming to the altar, and I'll say, Let's go. And I take him over to Mill Irons. <clears throat> Weird. Took him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes, now, we, we prayed for people with vision problems. Aren't you glad I'm not as biblical as you think I am? I don't know if they'd be healed or not, but they ain't coming back, I'll tell you that. <laughs> he spit on his eyes and put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. What are the results of my prayer? He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Mm -hmm. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Here's your instructions for healing. Get out of town. You need to get out of some mindsets. You need to get away from fear. You need to get away from pack your bags and leave doubt behind. You need come on, church. Sometimes you have to get out of the situation. Sometimes you need to get away from the people that are bringing you down and putting doubt and fear. And come on, sometimes you need to deal with the people around you. You just need a season where you get away from all them. So he took him out of town, got him away from the naysayers. And it was just him and Jesus for the most part. Number two, he put his DNA on him. When he spit on him, he put his DNA. Probably one of the best ways to get someone's DNA is to get their saliva. Come on, church. So he put his DNA on him. We're not going to get anything from God unless we have his DNA. You need to be a child of the king. When you got saved, you changed daddies. I'm glad once saved, always saved is not true. Because if that's true, once damned, always damned. But I'm glad we can change families. I'm glad, oh hallelujah, I'm glad we can have a daddy called Jesus. Jesus. Born again is not some trite phrase. Born again means new DNA. He spit on him to share what he had on him. Number three, placed his hands on him. Placed his hands on him. This, oh, I, I could preach for an hour right here on laying on of hands. And, and one of the things, but I'm not. <laughs> Only 30 minutes, all right. I like that scripture that says, lay hands on no man suddenly. In the Old Testament, they would lay hands on the goat. And they would take the sins of the nation from that goat. Or they would put the, I'm sorry, they would put the sins of the nation on that goat and lead the, and and kill the goat. When you lay your hands on someone to pray for them, you're identifying I said, well, "I'm not going to pray for any sinner again. I don't want to identify." No. Nah. have some faith. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the other guy. No, no, don't be worried about that. But why do we lay hands? It's not just some mystical formula. We identify. I, I wish I could tell you the times. If I had the time, I could tell you how. I many times I can actually feel what someone's feeling. Say, why would God allow you to feel the pain that Listen, before I prayed for people, I had this uh, this, this in in my right, right skull, just out of nowhere. And once I acknowledged it was God and went away, so that's Jesus. Hello, why would He do that? You pray better when you feel. I pray better when I understand what you're going through. And many times I'll pray for someone, and that depression or that abuse from childhood or that ugly situation, that depression. Yeah, depression. Pastor, you don't ever get depressed. I might be depressed right now. You never know it. The anointing makes the difference. I'm gonna preach whether I'm depressed or not. I'm gonna preach whether I'm sick or not. I mean, if I, I was going to say, if I can walk, my God, I got a chair. I can sit and preach. Put me in a wheelchair. I can still preach. If I lose my voice, I need a miracle. I would need to miraculously learn the sign language and you would need the gift of interpretation. <sighs> you lay hands on people. You need, you need to be aware of this. When you're laying hands on someone, you're asking to identify with them. You're connecting with them. He said, don't, don't lay hands on any man suddenly. It was talk, there it was talking about an office And and he's saying, be careful that you you don't put a position on someone who's not supposed to have it, who's not ready for it. So don't lay hands on them to pass on authority or an office on someone who's a novice or has sin in their life and they shouldn't have it. That can come back to bite you. What do I do now, Lord? I, I've scared them all. Everyone will be walking up like this. I ain't touching nobody either. Do you want to be effective? Feel their pain. It's kind of hard to do when we're just, in this day and age, we ignore or avoid as many people as we, when we say, how are you? We don't mean it. We really don't want to know Especially if it takes you half an hour. He placed his hands on him to identify with his blindness. Whew. And Jesus' perfect vision went into the man. At first, it was obstructed. Listen, you don't always get it the first time, and it doesn't always happen right away. It may happen in stages, it's a test, it's a walk of your faith. So he placed his hands on him again. And he was completely healed. But number four, I'm I'm almost done. Number four, (laughs) he he made him look up. See, when you're blind, what's the point? (laughs) I remember we had to walk like a mile to school and back, uphill both ways. It was terrible. In the middle of winter in Minnesota, we'd walk home, but... I don't know why, but my, my mom always got on me. She'd see me coming down the road, and I, I always walk like this. I guess I probably still do. I don't know. Because I was always in my head. You know, introverts are like that, right? They're just always thinking cerebral. My mom said, quit looking down when you're walking. You need to straighten up. You're a Philippi. I would try that for about five steps. <laughs> it's me. I don't know. You know, lay hands on me. Maybe you can help me. I don't know if you can feel my pain. But apparently, you know, if you're blind, what's the point of looking up? If you're blind, you know, blind people aren't, you know, there's nothing to look at. They're looking down. He said, you need to change your perception. You need to change the way you look at things. And he says, instead of looking down, your answer is not on the ground. The answer is in your face. Look up. Look up. And as he looked up, men didn't look like trees anymore. Men looked like men. Men. And he could see because he changed his view. Look up. Your redemption draweth near. Hallelujah. If Jesus be raised up, he will draw all men unto himself. It's time to look up.